I don't know if it's if, a, if it's a Malaysian thing that um we kind of like nervous laugh when we are nervous during this meeting with my manager. So uh, we talk we were talking about something serious because like some things are broken. So I kind of laughed a little bit, and then she was like, "Why are you laughing? We're talking about something serious." And I was like, "No, no, no! I'm I'm definitely taking this very seriously. It's just a Malaysian thing that we laugh when we feel like uneasy or uncomfortable because we're trying to overcome that like serious." Um, like environment over there, so and I even had to like send her like research article to to kind of back that. And then after that, I kind of feel like why I even want to do that. As I'm like, do why do I have to explain myself? So am I like um? It's like an internal racism going inside me, or is it on her and not to be like cultural sensitive? Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Draining Sundays. I'm your host Daniel K. Chung, and in today's episode, I have someone dialing in from, I think Canada, I think, but I'll let her introduce who she is, so that I don't have to say her name, so she doesn't repeat it. But go for it. Hi, thank you. Uh, so uh, my name is Winchi. Uh, full name is Winchi Wong. Um, currently living in Toronto, Canada. Originally from Malaysia. Lovely. So shouldn't your name be Wong Winchi, not Winchi Wong? <laughs> yes. Technically, on my passport it says Wong Winchi, which is just one line. And then whenever I go to the airport, it freaks out people because they couldn't figure out which one's my first name, which one's my last name. <laughs> just rhyme of it. It's good fun. Yeah. Hmm. So whereabouts in Malaysia were you originally from? So I'm from a small town called Klang, like literally like a sound of like clanging clang. So um, um, it's it's famous for uh, a dish called bakute. Oh, um, bakute, oh yeah. Yes, so uh, that's where it is from. So it's like a, an hour south from like the capital Kuala Lumpur. Oh, so since you're like quite close to KL, does that mean you spoke or people around you spoke a lot of Cantonese? Because that's what I realized when I entered Malaysia. Yes. So um, I do speak a little bit. I would say it's probably like my weakest dialects. So like in Malaysia, um, people speak like all kinds of languages and we just kind of like pick it up from everywhere. I kind of pick it up from TVB. <laughs> <laughs> For those who don't know, what is TVB? <laughs> it's like, it's a Chinese, um, like, Hong Kong uh, like TV shows where like we kind of watch it like since young, so we kind of recognize some of the um, Hong Kong celebrities from there, and then like kind of go from there. We just pick it up from there. I mean, I have not heard that phrase TVB for a very long time. Yeah. It's opening up a lot of memories. Memories I don't want to revisit. <laughs> <laughs> they were fun. Indeed. It's well, definitely it's, helpful to learn, to, to, to know Cantonese in, in, in Canada. Oh, yes. Yes. There's a, there's a very large Hong Kong community there. In fact, I think most of Hong Kong moved there anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially like at dim sum places. They love it when we order, I order in Cantonese. I get so what other service. So what other dialects do you speak? So um, I'm half Hakka uh, on my dad's side and then uh, half Hokkien on my, mind's, my mom's side. And uh, in my city, Klang, we speak predominantly Hokkien. So it's kind of like, it's similar to Taiwanese. So, like Teochew similar or is it different? No, Are they different things? quite different. That's I, how Asian I, I, I am. I think Teochew is kind of like combination of like Hokkien and Cantonese. Like you, you recognize some words, some phrases, and then, but, and then you lost it. <laughs> The, the only Hokkien I ever learnt was, 
all the vulgarities. That's <laughs> but the I've been easiest told. way to learn Hokkien. <laughs> <laughs> but I've been told Hokkien is a very sweet and beautiful language. It's just for some reason no. in Singapore and Malaysia, it's used for describing certain things. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't find Hokkien graceful. It's more like a gangster language. That's what my hometown is known for because the crime risk there is pretty high. And then people there, when they speak Hokkien, it's kind of like yelling at each other all the time. But that's, I mean, Cantonese is the same. I feel the same way. People say Cantonese mm-hmm. sounds really nice. I'm like, are you serious? We're yelling at each other, literally. Mm-hmm. And then my, I have a friend from Hong Kong that he was like, yeah, there's like so many different ways to curse at people. <laughs> oh, and there's new, we're very creative. We blend all the cultures together and arrive at a new ingenious way to insult you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, you greet everyone in your family. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Ms. Wong, what exactly do you do? Because I don't know. I couldn't really figure it out. Yep. So I'm going to let you describe to our listeners what exactly you do. Mm-hmm. So I find it pretty funny because I don't exactly know what I do in general. So I usually describe to my friends that like I do book everything in marketing. That's basically what I've been doing since I kind of like started in this career. So um, like in my first job, I dabble a little bit in like e-commerce where um, I do a lot of Excel sheets, pulling up like uh, VLOOKUP to the table, and then like setting up uh, e-commerce stores. <laughs> um, and then my second job got a little bit into more uh, specialization at SEO and email marketing. Um, and then after that, I kind of like got my first role in the startup world where uh, I was the first marketer in the company. So imagine how that usually goes down where I kind of have to do literally everything because there was no marketing at all. So like that includes set a new website, um, social media, content strategy, you name it. And then even also like uh, involved talking to like pro- the product team, developer teams. Um, and then like eventually I know I I speak the developer languages, also speak the product designer languages. I know how to set up Jira tickets and um, design on Figma, which is ridiculous. <laughs> wow. So you are a one-stop shop. Kind of, Yeah. I, I like to call myself like full stack marketer. <laughs> do, do, do you get paid all the salaries then? Unfortunately, no. <laughs> I think that's the thing in the, the marketing industry though. Like I feel like was I've been um, sitting on this crossroad thinking that was I like doing everything at once, like different things at the same time, just kind of exploring different options, like testing here, testing that. But um, I did realize that going into a specialization do get paid more. But and so like, do I want to get paid more or do I want to do something that I prefer? Was like, I find just doing a couple things like specialization bores me. <laughs> so where are you at at this crossroads? Do you want to find fulfillment, interest, or do you like money? Um, kind of, I, I, I think, I feel like I'm able to find a balance as in like, um, I'm still, uh, I'm at the second early stage startup, still doing all kinds of things, but I also started to venture into, um, freelancing. So, which I get to choose what, like, what kind of projects I like to do. So I, I, I quite like it. Very nice. You have mm-hmm. found that perfect balance mm-hmm. where you mm-hmm. get hopefully paid regularly 
from a second stage startup mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, that yeah, you can choose your own adventures of your own freelancing work. Awesome. With more money. Oh, money. I love money. I love yeah. money. Who doesn't? <laughs> Uh, the people born into no, we won't go there. Mm-hmm. Okay, so how did you? I mean, you've kind of given us a bit of a broad stroke of how you started your career, but because you look like me, I would say, you know, digital marketing is usually not you know the holy trinity of careers. It's usually engineering, accounting, and something Doctors. else. Oh yes, of course. How could I forget? Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> how did you fall into? Marketing. So um, it kind of like goes back like how um, I started out as a kid. So my dad and my I would say my entire family they are like business people. So all I talk about is like oh um, like money, how to run business, how do I get more profit, that kind of stuff. And then uh, just like as I grow up, my dad kind of expected me to like take over his business, which I have no interest at all. And then. I have been the one he go for like creative um, uh, like designs that he will ask me to like design his business card and design like flyers for his company. And then eventually I also got to manage his company website and e-com website. That's where I kind of start tapping into that marketing world where I, ca- I have um, the opportunity to kind of like play around with the website and kind of design how the front end will look like and then like design banners. Um, and then that kind of spared down to um, Neopets. I don't know if you know that. Yeah, we're, we're revealing <laughs> we're our age now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I got really into that during um, maybe like my high school years that I got so obsessed into kind of like, was I, I started a guild myself and then I designed literally all the, the, um, the banners, the content, and then like even the different structures. And then I got like um, 2000 members that time. So like starting like community building already during that age. So I got really hooked like how all things work at, at, in terms of like, how do I get members to join? How do I get them to stay? And then how do I get them to like um, refer to other people? Um, and then fast forward to university where I got uh, very involved in student organizations where I got to um, take over the, the marketing site um, to... Uh, managing social media accounts, uh, promoting student events. And then uh, on one of the student organizations, um, it's a global student organization called Isaac, where I got really in-depth in there. And then to a point, I got to use HubSpot. Imagine you get to use HubSpot as a student. So um, I, I feel like that's where I kind of started. I kind of see how you build a marketing campaign and then how you kind of like, dig into attribution and kind of see kind of cool to see how everything comes together and then uh, i didn't even um my degree is not it's not marketing it was some um, visual arts like fine art drawing painting and then um another so i uh, it's a double major and then another one is communications so i have no like, educational background in marketing so it was all from and how I started as a kid and then to like my university experience and then eventually to kind of like pick up um, like tips and then like uh, what people are saying here and there, especially on Twitter. Yeah. Wow. So it sounds like you're, <laughs> you've learned through doing things yourself. Experiential. Yes. What do you, what have you liked the most about 
full stack marketing. There's so many different channels and mediums. What is your favorite and why? I want to say probably SEO and email marketing because I, I see them as like a, a exact opposite as social media as you as in you kind of have to rely on the algorithm and then like many many other factors to kind of see the success. I would say my favorite is probably email marketing because it's like the oldest marketing channels there and then like People are saying like email marketing is gonna gonna be dead, but I don't think so. As long as companies still require you to log in with emails, email marketing is here to stay. And then I feel like it's the most um, most fun and more of the most um, stable channel to test. As in that you can immediately see how people are reacting to your subject line, your content, and then even from like how people sign up and then how are they referring to like um, your newsletter to other people or even in the e-commerce perspective, like how emails do bring in a lot of um, sales compared with other channels. You know, Winchi, I'm going to put you on the spot. I want to ask yeah. you a question because you know your shit. I can tell. <laughs> how would you build a campaign using all the different channels? Well, this is something that most SEOs can never figure out. All they do is SEO, 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 mm-hmm. email, SEO, social, paid, above the line, whatever you call it, how would you prioritize, let's say it's a startup for the first mm-hmm. example, and then yep. second for an established business? Well, those are the most common use cases. And I want to share your expertise in <laughs> essentially a TED talk. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. And then this is something I definitely have experienced twice. Um, I would say for an early stage startup where um, the company is kind of like figuring out the product market fit, which is always the struggle, um, I will definitely want to say to focus on SEO first to kind of like um, establish the authority of your um, in your industry. Just kind of like talk about like why, like what problem are you solving? What is your software um, is solving? for the people and then who are the people you are targeting at. So just kind of like funnel down from there. And then like using uh, different like social media as a distribution channel and then at the same time build um, an acquisition funnel for email marketing. At the same time, um, paid ads. Because I feel like for some of, it, it really depends on the audience um, where kind of like, you can kind of have to figure out where they are through um, ads. So like um, usually at uh, like startup companies, uh, we will try like with small budget different on different channels first, and then like as you start seeing results, and then you start like shutting down the ones that don't work, and then allocate your budget to the ones that's working, and it's kind of like optimized from there. So I would say it's not like you doing this um, or not doing that. It's more like for a startup, you kind of have to try everything at the beginning to see what works. It's a lot of testing. Very good answer. I love it. <laughs> now on to a more established business. Mm-hmm. What would you do? Um, so uh, once you kind of like find out uh, what channel works for your audience, just kind of like focusing on that and then um, keep optimizing it. But also at the same time, um, you sh- that at that time you should be ha- you should have like a pretty good base of your customers already, and then that time that's where you kind of start going into talking to them, and then building that relationship, build into um like community, get them be your um 
I think HubSpot used to call it evangelist, but like there should be a better name, right? It's kind of like like your your biggest fan that they will kind of like talk about your product to their friends and family. Very well said. I believe Twitter calls them super followers. Twitter keep coming up with useless features. It's what marketers do, right? (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe it's the products team fault. Ooh, 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 shots fired. <laughs> so I'm reading my calendar notes, and I actually didn't realize this until like early today. And that was you had a re- you rescheduled this to meet a certain someone. Who, who, who? Seymour I'm intrigued. And Jeremy Millen. So wow. um, they they were having uh, like a charity basketball game in Toronto today. And then I haven't got a ticket, so I want to see them. So good. Just so nice to see them in person as well. Yeah, and then I see him doing that all this speech about um, uh, don't afraid to like uh, fail, that you kind of have to like um, deal with like 9,000 no to get like three yeses. And then those three yeses, like they're like amazing. That would like they're life changing. So like the, I think the the last um, call to action he gave us, like don't, be afraid to shoot your shot. That's it. You, you know, you miss every shot you don't take or, or something mm-hmm. along those lines. Mm-hmm. And, you know, coming from our cultural background, failing is has always been stigma. I think it's just the branding of that word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think parents have always let us try things, but because of formal education, then, you know, if you don't score 100. Well, I never got close to 100. They were lucky yes. if I got, you know, brought home 70, but that's just, I feel so sorry for my parents. I sucked so much. So good. Same. I'm, I'm the same here. I'm, I was never a book smart. I'm definitely a street smart. Yeah. 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 And, and yeah. it's working now. So that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You, you look at what's happening now and I look at, okay, my sister, she, she became the doctor. And now you see this new wave of really young people who can make an insane amount of money without formal education via TikTok. That was just not something that ever happened back when we were growing up. And you and, and that's crazy. It's cool. Mm-hmm, I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like blowing it, it, parents' minds. Like what is going on with this case? Is our generation going to doom? <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's our turn to ruin civilization. Okay. It's our turn. You've had your turn. It's on us. Oh, <laughs> uh, this this has been this has been fun. I guess mm-hmm. la we're we're in the tail end, so I want to ask some more questions about your career progression, especially mm-hmm. as a woman, as someone who identifies as being Chinese ethnicity. Mm-hmm. What are the some of the challenges that you have had to overcome, and how have you overcome them so that someone who's listening, who's you know facing the same things, can go, hey, when she's done it, maybe I can too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would definitely say like uh, when I just started, I don't recall seeing a lot of people that look like us. Because um, I remember at that time, um, there were like big names like Rand Fishkin and Hanley. They are all certain type of people. Um, and then I just kind of like, I, I would say, I, I don't want to say I ignore them, but kind of more of like I don't focus on who they are, but more of like what they say like what they have tried um, and then what advice they are giving out to people. And then like we, we more recently started to see more and more people that look like us. Like um, shout out to like Amanda, 
and Chi on Twitter, who's kind of like being Asian and then being like so smart. I don't even know how. And then just being like really nice, and they really know um, how to be, how to build a community, because like they have like big group of um, like people just kind of like always helping each other, like being kind to each other is so helpful as well. Um, and then I'll say on the on offline, um, also it's pretty similar. But like the people I've always worked with, my coworker or like my um, direct manager, they are all. Obviously, a certain type of people, and then it has been really hard for me just kind of like navigating that. As in, like, are they gonna understand like what I'm trying to say? Are they kind of, uh, if um, I say something, if they is there any like um bias in there? As in, like, when um what I said compared to like another colleague uh, like suggestion, like is there am I going to be treated fairly or like even? compare like in a on an equal level. So I definitely have a lot of thoughts about that. But I find um the more I speak out and then the more I kind of know like what kind of feedback I'll get, um then just kind of like evaluate from there. Um and I will have a really interesting incident at my current role actually. Um so for, for I don't know if it's if a if it's a Malaysian thing that um we kind of like nervous laugh when we are nervous. So <laughs> during this meeting with my manager, so uh, we talked. We were talking about something serious because like, some things are broken. So I kind of laughed a little bit, and then she was like, "Why are you laughing? We're talking about something serious." And I was like, "No, no, no! I'm I'm definitely taking this very seriously. It's just a Malaysian thing that we laugh when we feel like uneasy or uncomfortable because we're trying to overcome that like serious um like environment over there." So and I even had to like send her. <laughs> Like research article to, to kind of back that. It's kind of like, and then kind of, and then after that, I kind of feel like, why if I, I even want to do that? As I'm like, do why do I have to explain myself? So like, is it like a are we am I am I like um is like an internal racism going inside me, or is it like is it or is it on her not to be like cultural sensitive? So like, a lot of things like I feel like um. Even for companies, they are, they don't we don't really have like a proper cultural training, or even like have um, a more cultural focused type of activities to get um, and employees to talk to each other. Like, oh, this is how like these are like that, or even like share um, like cultural differences through food, something like that. Yeah, I feel like oh. companies should do. Yes, at least uh, yeah, so much yes about that. Yeah. So much, yes, because mm-hmm. you're right. It's you should not have to explain yeah. I panic. something that, <laughs> yeah. especially when they're your superior, they get paid more because they're supposed to have this awareness. They're not supposed to have these biases, or at least mm-hmm. hide them better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> like yes, like nervous laughter is not you know specific to a particular region in the world. It's just mm-hmm. how some people behave. And I would yeah, hate, yeah. you know, to be neurodivergent or have be somewhere on the spectrum or something and then have to feel that because it's you're your worst enemy. And inside you're going, oh, did I do something wrong? Could I have done it differently? It's like, hang on. No, this is who I am. You hired mm-hmm. me to do the job. Do your job. And mm-hmm. I'm going to call it out because it's my podcast. It's just, you know, if you're white, you need to understand that the world is not 100% white. And therefore, mm-hmm. 
the way you see things is not necessarily how others see things. Yeah. And that's it. Be open yeah. to it. Be aware to it. Ask yeah. others. Surround yourselves with other people who look a little bit different. And if they look yeah. a little bit different, maybe they sound different too because you and I, we have westernized accents. Mm -hmm. But if we you know, had really thick accents, then yeah. there's another whole layer of I bias. can do that also if you want. And this is why I have yeah. this podcast because it's <laughs> like I'm almost fucking 40. I'm done with this shit, you know? Fuck it. You look young. You know, Asian baby face. Oh, my God. Like, I would think you're probably like 25 or something. <gasps> oh, I love you. Thank, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and, and a big shout out to Chi because one day I aspire to have Ryan Reynolds talk about me and know about <gasps> me. But I know that will never happen. So I will just live through Manifestation. <laughs> Get it. <laughs> well, if you put just it out of the world, the world will hurt it. <laughs> I, I, I don't think that works that way, but <laughs> I'll keep trying. Yeah. Maybe I need to try a different channel. <laughs> we'll see, we'll see. All right, Winchy, it's, it's yeah. been an absolute pleasure and honor chatting with you. Thank you for sharing your experience. Thank you for being so open about it. And I hope for those who are listening who, you know, you don't have to look like us. But if you feel as though you're having the same difficulties, know that you're not alone and mm -hmm. network with others who experience the same thing because that's how you can find a solution to your specific problem. Otherwise, if you ask on the internet, you'll just get a it depends answer, oh which God. isn't very helpful. Yeah. Marketing is all about it depends. It's annoying. <laughs> it's not. It's yeah. not. You're just not asking the right question. Or the right person. Oh, oh mm -hmm. shots fired again. <laughs> You're on fire. <laughs> <laughs> no, this one is like, I, I've been on Twitter like, long enough. I remember when I just joined and then I was like on these um, Twitter chats like all day long, just kind of like get to know people. But like, I felt they were, they got pretty surface. I feel like um you don't get to like the real conversation until you get them into their DMs. I, I was able to make some friends like over the years, but not on the timeline. That's so true. Like that's probably the only thing that I agree with Gary Vaynerchuk. Everything else, not a big fan of. But the magic Agreed. does happen in the DMs. But it's how you approach that first DM that mm -hmm. also mm -hmm. matters a lot. For all my male identifying listeners, don't be a creep. That's just not <laughs> cool. <laughs> For real. All right, folks. That's pretty much a wrap. Thank you so much for tuning in to Dreading Sundays. I hope you found this motivational, inspirational, or helpful. If you're on iTunes or Spotify, I believe you can leave a rating or review, and that will help others discover this amazing podcast of all three listeners. So maybe we can increase it to five. But until next time, stay safe, stay curious, and I'll see you or I'll, you'll hear from me in the next episode.